0: Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. I'm Millette Jones, and every weekday I chat with today's most successful coaches, and we learn their secrets to building a thriving coaching business. Are you ready to be unstoppable? Let's go. Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast, where inspiration and action come together. Today I'm joined by Natalie Forrest, PhD. She's America's leading expert in personal performance. She's an international executive consultant and coach, best-selling author, radio host, keynote speaker, and mentor. Natalie is founder of Success Revolutions and Revolutionize Your Potential, a series of educational trainings for individuals and corporations across the globe. She works with leaders, corporate teams, and entrepreneurs to identify consistencies for their success. Her methods and techniques increase productivity, teamwork, and retention, resulting in higher profitability, authentic fulfillment, and less stress. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm always
1: happy to jump in and see where I can be of support and assistance for aspiring and moving forward. I don't think that's a word. Entrepreneurs. (laughs) So thank you so much, Malette, for having me.
0: Before we get into more about your business, I'd love if you would tell us just a little bit about who you are and maybe what you like to do when you're not working. Oh, yeah. Uh, I always uh, get
1: a little uncomfortable talk about myself because I'm always so focused on others, but... It's very simple. Uh, I have a number of small hobbies. One of them uh, is spending time with my six-year-old daughter, which, uh, as you probably can imagine, does take a bit of time and planning. Uh, I love horses. I also love uh, reading and just being out in nature. And I think that is sort of the way that I balance a little bit of a crazy life, obviously, which is entrepreneurs we all have. Another item that I think might be interesting that I always try and point out is that my background is a historian. My Ph.D. is in history. So for years and years, I've been in the profession of teaching in the classroom, and that's sort of where I'm coming from with everything that I'm doing and working on because I believe in complete skill transfer to pretty much put myself out of business. And that, I think, matters given my approach, but it also matters because I never, ever saw myself as an entrepreneur. Growing up in Germany, being an entrepreneur just was not on my bucket list. So it's been quite a ride
0: that's really interesting that you mentioned that you've been, your background is in history and teaching. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey? What led you to get into this sort of business, to get into entrepreneurship, to get into coaching and teaching others? How long have you been doing it and what kind of led you down that path?
1: Well, I think it was... Uh predestined in some ways. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the right term, but it, it really uh, started when, when I came out the womb. I've, I've been counseling and, and supporting people ever since I can remember. And so that is one of the patterns that I've had helping, supporting. And when you help and support, you always give advice and, and try to see where somebody else is coming from so that they can be living in their full potential and, and in accordance with their own desire. So I've been doing that pretty much forever. And uh, the teaching was part of that as a historian, especially with my background from Germany. I have a, I have a breadth of history, psychology, literature, cultural studies and all of that that has helped me really understand people as well as history in different ways. And to make this very, very long story short, uh, for years and years while teaching, I found myself teaching differently than most historians probably are because I was always emphasizing the people, and I still do that today, the people make history and that we need to understand people and that once people live their dreams without hurting anybody else things get a lot easier for everybody. So one day I was standing in a classroom and, you know, sometimes when you speak as a speaker, when you teach, whatever you do, you sort of don't really remember what you're saying. But I remember just standing there and realizing that while I was teaching, this was a Native American history class, while I was teaching Native American history from a very specific uh, angle, obviously, I was actually teaching the students how to formulate their own dreams and desires and how to take the next step in pursuing them. And I think that was sort of like a little bit of a, of a wake up call for me, which of course I dismissed immediately because I was happy in the classroom. Didn't really want any more spotlight than that. But then about a day after that, a friend of mine said, it's time you you need to you need to step out of the classroom you need to take your message forward and obviously i fought that a little bit but sooner or later everything just opened up that way and uh, i did a little bit of internal work uh, reflection uh, to really figure out is this truly my purpose being up front and center all the time which is not necessarily what I love to do. <laughs> I'm a very private person. And that's, uh, that's been about uh, eight, nine years ago. And through the process of learning how to be an entrepreneur, I've uh, pursued different avenues, obviously, to finally arrive at really the most important message, the most important teachings and, and coaching that I can do with the business that I have now created as a Natalie Force International.
0: I think that's really interesting. Something that you said was that you got these little nudges and you pushed them aside because you weren't sure if you wanted to be in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. I think that's really maybe something that holds a lot of people back. I'd love to know a little bit more about what you were able to do to sort of push yourself as someone who maybe it just wasn't natural for you to want to be up front. How did you ease into it or or did you, did you jump into it or did you ease into it? Well, I I think I did a mix of it and it it really
1: for me all has to do with understanding your own purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe we all have have a specific purpose. We wouldn't be here if we didn't have a purpose. Whether that is being up on a billboard or whether that is cleaning the stairs or making a a fantastic home cooked meal, there's a reason why we're all here. And while I was doing that internal work, I realized that yes my purpose was a bit bigger than I liked. So I had to look at why I was holding back. And I approached it from the angle of, if I were to not get out of the classroom, what would that mean? Mm -hmm. Would I be of service or would I be of disservice? And with what I do, and of course, every entrepreneur, every purpose is different with what I do. I realized I would actually be of disservice if I kept limiting who I talk to. Right. Even though I was clearly having a major impact. So that's really how it started. And then what I think is also important, depending on what entrepreneurship you move into, obviously as a speaker and with some of the things that I do, I am often in the public view, you know, a public person, if you want. But I have learned to really uh, separate. I don't want to say balance, because it's not a 50-50 thing. But, you know, separate or align my private life, where I live with my daughter, my husband, and we do things like regular people, you know, sit out, get bitten by mosquitoes while we're trying to barbecue. <laughs> but on the other hand, I'm also up front and center. So the interesting thing for me is that I do have both personalities. And so I can mesh them nicely as long as from time to time I get my private time. Uh, I get to just withdraw and refuel because I also get a lot of uh, adrenaline. I get a lot of uh, positive vibes when I am out there and help. And this is a consistency for me. You know, I used to often teach late night classes and everybody would say, well, aren't you tired at 10 p.m.? And I wasn't because by the way that I had described, it, by serving, by trying to pour knowledge and skills into other people so that they can live their lives in the way that it works for them, it gives me a certain rush so that... You know, hours after, I still can't sleep, and and that's a good thing. So I'm really meshing both of them very nicely at this point, I would say.
0: One thing that I always find really interesting when I talk to people that have made, from my perspective, sort of a big jump. And I know that, that maybe it's not as big a jump from your perspective because you're, you've said it a couple of times, you know, you've been teaching and advising and consulting, you feel like from your whole life, but maybe from an outsider's point of view, looking in to go from being, a teacher, a classroom teacher, and then shifting over to entrepreneurship seems like a big jump to some people. What, what would you say? I mean, was that an easy shift for you? No, it, it wasn't.
1: And that's why I always try to talk to aspiring entrepreneurs before they jump fully in. Being an entrepreneur is different in some ways. Now, let me go to the similarities first between a teacher and an entrepreneur. You're pretty much on 24-7, okay? Right. Um, I know that a lot of people believe teachers, they have off, but, you know, during the summer and the evenings, teachers still do a lot of work. So you're pretty much on 24-7 if you're a teacher by heart. Mm-hmm. The same when you're an entrepreneur. So the first slide adjustment that you need to make is really set your timetable. And for me, that began really uh, when I started uh, my relationship with my now husband, because I did want to have some time with him as well. If you're single, then you're a workaholic. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> right. But, you know, if you have one or two other people in your lives, then you got to sometimes tune out. So I started time management at that point. Instead of being on 24-7, I was maybe on, you know, 18 hours or something. Right. Um, the other really important piece was trying to make the switch from getting paid a certain salary. For whatever work I did as a teacher to actually charging what I am worth and the value that I'm providing to people. And I think that mind shift is very, very important. If you come from a service perspective, whether you're a teacher, you know, a first responder, a mom, whatever you may be, if you're the majority of your life has been focused on giving, 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 you know, being a servant leader, then making the switch to actually getting paid is uh, is something we all probably need to work on a little bit. Mm -hmm. So that was really the hardest for me. And I, I do mention that usually when I talk about it because it uh, it goes right into what I do with the hidden power of patterns. And so for years while I was getting the business started, I was always a bargaining with with possible clients. I was like, "Oh, I understand you don't have enough money." And finally I was looking at myself one day. I was saying, "This is just strange. Why am I not making more money that I can then put into business, give away for good causes and so forth. Why am I still struggling? Because we hear of all of the overnight successes. And at that point, I I dove deep and I realized that one of the things that my mom had taught me and my brother was that we can survive on very little and that is sort of, you know, that's been in the, in my subconscious mind for a long time. And so knowing that I can survive on little that I'm not materialistically oriented really meant that I would never ask for the value that I was giving. And a lot of servant leaders in one way or another go through something like that, whether that is understanding the value they're providing, whether that is having been taught to not ask for too much. So I think to me that 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 was the biggest shift really.
0: Building a business like you're talking about, you know, having to go through these mind, mindset changes, making these changes from working for someone to working for yourself. There's a lot of ups and downs with something like that. Can you tell us about maybe a disappointment or or just a low point that you experienced when you were making that shift to entrepreneurship? Oh, where
1: do you want me to start? <laughs> um, you know, that's why I say uh, entrepreneur life is not easy. We go through ups and downs like you just said. And I think one item that always comes up is self-doubt. Uh, even if you're fully 2,000% aware of, yes, this is the right way. Yes, this is my purpose. The minute that you start getting a little successful, there might be other people who um, are a little envious, jealous, or don't understand even from a loving perspective why you're switching. It was so much easier. So you have to Come to terms with that, that self doubt sometimes. And the other thing is, and again, I go back to the term as servant leaders because we, we tend to be, um, very open minded and, and usually think the best of people, uh, understanding that there are people out there who may not be as supportive as it seems. And as an example, uh, you know, I have collaborated with uh, a variety of, of different entrepreneurs or uh, different companies. And I must say that quite often, I have found them not being as understanding about what collaboration means in my world, mm-hmm. um, even to the degree where they get greedy, where they end up not wanting to pay you a share. Uh, and that actually has just been recently. Uh, before, I was usually just, you know, helping out, not expecting any payment, but maybe I got exposure or something um, in return. But that there are people who... Um, who are not as much in integrity as we might wish them to be. So I'm bringing that up because even with friends or, or acquaintances or people that you think are good people, the first step whenever you get into any kind of agreement or, or possible collaboration is to have an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement and to have an agreement of who does what and who gets what. Even if it's your sister or your brother, and I don't have any problem with them <laughs> or, you know, a friend or something, because too often we see the minute that money or, or, or fame or exposure gets involved, some people just suddenly show a different side.
0: Wow. I think that's really great advice. That's something that I haven't heard yet in any of the, anyone that I've spoken to. And I think that is something that we all have to keep in mind is that we may come into something with the best of intentions and the other person may as well, but you just never know what's going to happen. So always being upfront with expectations and, and agreements is, is great advice. Yeah. You know, and
1: it's something I think that we all learn. And even though my mentor had told me, you make sure you have agreements in place, you know, sending out an agreement, waiting for them to send it back, uh, you know, before you start anything, have some kind of agreement in place. So it's just better for planning purposes. And there is a difference between your personal life and your business, mm-hmm. whether it's a beginning business, whether it's a franchise uh, there are just different parameters. Uh, plus, you know, in the end, there are, there are paper, there's paperwork that you need to fill in, whether it's the IRS, whether it's legal paperwork. And therefore, having all that in place right from the start is going to really, um, yeah, avoid a lot of headache and, and, you know, personal disappointment.
0: Right, and we all just need to remember that just because we're entrepreneurs and maybe sometimes we can work from our pajamas, we're still running a business, and we need to we need to treat it that way absolutely, yes, yes, a couple of things that you said that like it put a little bit of a a little fear in me I was like <laughs> you were talking about it. You're talking about the self doubt and then a little earlier you're talking about the limiting beliefs and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're all doomed from the start. (laughs) You know, we, we, we have such a struggle to get through all of this stuff. Whereas if you work for someone else, you kind of have a structure. You have a foundation under you. A lot of the things, a lot of things you just don't have to worry about getting into entrepreneurship is, it's a little more difficult than a lot of people imagine, you know, until you kind of get in and really start digging in. Can you? Talk to us about a time when you finally felt like your business was getting some momentum and things were just really starting to gel and starting to work.
1: Yes, absolutely. And first of all, you know, I'm not trying to instill fear in anybody, but honestly, you know, not everybody should be an entrepreneur or can be an entrepreneur. It it, it is a different life, but once you're fully in, um then, then things change and doors open up and, and statistically what it takes three to eight years for, for a business to, to have revenue. Okay. So we know that there are struggles along the way, but that doesn't mean that you can't do it. And so for me, I think, um, one of the moments when I realized, yes, I'm gaining momentum, uh, you know, and I'm trying to think far, further back to the earlier stages, was really when people started coming up to me saying, hey, I've heard about you. And even though the I heard about you may not have immediately translated into uh, funding or money or anything else, but that and what they said after that, really being able to say what I stand for. Um, that to me was the... I don't know, reconfirmation uh, that I needed, yes, this is the right track because there are people out there who understand, who resonate, even if they may not be able to act on it right now. So I think that to me showed the momentum and that has just continued and built up. Um, a- another stage I think would be when people ask me, To be at events or, you know, to participate in events or ask me for advice. Even if it's pro bono, if they just realize that I have something to give that for me shows that, yes, I am in the right place. Yes, I have momentum. Yes, it's all working out. And of course, there still might be little things that I'm trying to tweak. You know, writing a book, writing my whatever, like fifth book at this point in time. In those stages where you know, yes, I'm on the right path. Yes, I've got clients coming in. Yes, I've got speaking engagements, whatever it may be. Um, you know, th- there are still those moments of, Oh my God, how am I going to manage all of this? Um, and you know, I think the other piece is when I was able to, to have an assistant that really showed me Yes, number one, I can now focus on what I'm good at but but number two you know i i I am making enough of a difference to give somebody else some revenue as well.
0: Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. Some of the things that you've been talking about, like writing your fifth book and getting speaking engagements and being recognized when you're out, a lot of times for people, these are certain milestones that they really feel great about when they reach these. What would you say has been your favorite achievement in your business Mm, so far? That's a good question. Probably where I am at right now,
1: and that is because in addition to my profit business, I'm looking at, I am in the process of creating a nonprofit. So for me, I think the biggest achievement is going to be when the nonprofit is up and running and it's just a matter of paperwork. And then, you know, it's pretty much building a new business, but that to me being able to do that and then being able to spend part of my time on really working for those that I want to help. Um, I think that is for me the biggest milestone. And even though I'm not hundred percent there yet, that's really that's really where I realize, okay, you know, I'm there. Um, and if you were to say, well, that hasn't happened yet, then um, probably my work with the women of global change as well. Um, because that is where, when we have our annual summit, you know, where leaders of leaders come together and being part of them and, and and being able to, to create that, that network where we're all the same and we're all supporting each other. And of course, you know, those in need. I think those two items are really. And I know I probably sound like a broken record because I always talk about service, but I think when I can be of service without having to worry about my own bills or what's going on with me, that to me is the biggest achievement ever.
0: No, I love that because talk to a lot of people and it seems like people continue to bring up getting to the point in their business where they're able to give back, where they're able to start those nonprofits or where they're able to really get into that idea of I'm working for me and I'm being of service. And it's almost like creating this legacy that they want to have um, for the. Future and I think that's just it's amazing to be able to do that. I think
1: it also shows us where where our hearts are. I mean, there are some people who are still in it for the business only, um, but uh, I've me meet, I'm meeting more and more servant leaders, and that's of course also my network. Uh, and I think we see a shift right now as well, where people begin to understand that money is great, but money is even greater <laughs> if you're able... To share with those who who don't have all of the privileges that you have, who haven't been born into certain situations, uh, and, and so you know, I think we are seeing a very remarkable shift. It started probably, you know, mid last year. Um, I would I would argue, whether you call it feminine or or male energy or whatever you want, but I've seen a, a profound shift where integrity is connected to true service, uh, and and I see that more and more coming up. Up. And I think that is really that is really just just wonderful because it means we're moving all together in the same direction.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. Before we move on to the next part mm-hmm. of the podcast that focuses on action steps that coaches can mm-hmm. take, I want to talk a little bit about the future. I'd love to know, what are you most excited about creating next for your business? Hmm. I think for me, the next step that I'm excited
1: about is going more into corporations mm-hmm. and doing my success revolutions training there. Uh, the reason for that is twofold. Number one, I don't have to do it out in the public. eye completely, I can do it, you know, in, in a comfortable environment. And number two, I believe always in the snowball effect. So when I talk to one person, And my goal is to reach at least 10 million lives. Um, when I talk to one person, then I'm trying to create a snowball effect. So I may not talk to five people, but I talk to one person. When I go into corporations with my programs, what I'm able to do is I work with a leadership team and with other teams in the corporation, which is of course initially a limited number, but the ripple effect or the snowball effect, is what I'm interested in, mm-hmm. because then it all goes back to individual lives and that'll impact future generations in ways that um, I can visualize. Right. And so I think that's really what I'm most uh, excited about right now.
0: Now we're going to move into talking about business. So, one thing that a lot of coaches have questions about is just, how do I make money? A lot of people really like the idea of just doing one-on-one coaching, but there's a lot of different ways, online and offline, to make a living as a coach. So, how are you generating revenue in your business? Well, for me, it is really uh, twofold, okay?
1: So, one, I do love my one-on-one clients. On the downside of that that takes a lot of time right <laughs> you know because you do have your your weekly hourly sessions you do prep work you do follow-up work you do connections so that is something that that does take a lot of work but that's what I love uh, so I, I do have the one-on-one clients which, Gives me a specific insight into, you know, how people work and the patterns that people have, and I can help them catapult forward so much easier with that accountability. Um the other piece is really the mastermind sessions that I have, the mastermind groups that I have. And uh I keep them a little hidden <laughs> sometimes, but you know the mastermind sessions for me, the groups that I have, I have two going on right now, are really, really crucial because I get to talk to them uh, on a on a regular basis. But I'm transferring enough skills over to them, and, and I've been able, with their help, of course, to create an atmosphere of trust that I can see them helping each other, supporting each other, not just with accountability, but with good ideas that are in my terminology, revolutionary that don't follow the existing patterns of do step one, two, and three, but they're beginning to really understand the other person and then really work on supporting them with specific ideas and listening to them. And of course, mastermind groups are a way of, uh, of generating more revenue with a little less time involved. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm not doing a whole lot of the, uh, of the webinars and, and those things. I do have my online programs, but you still need to sell them. Right. And so, you know, whether it's my, my eight part series and so forth, you have all of those and they help you generate Income, but to me and what I love doing because I'm not that focused probably on the money, um, you know, my one-on-one consulting as well as, as my masterminds are really where I thrive and where I love seeing things happen.
0: One thing that a lot of coaches have questions about is just how do I get in front of people? How do I get people to get on my discovery calls? How do I bring new clients in? So what would you say is your favorite strategy for getting brand new people to come in to your consulting and coaching business it's very easy talk to them <laughs>
1: um, you know what I mean by that is we can do a whole lot with social media and and I'm I don't like to brag but I'm pretty darn good with social media but let's face it um, social media is is not the end all and given what we're looking at and of course you always have to take into account what what is your what is your focus in your coaching so you got to create your niche appropriately even though then we blow the niche out, out of the water but who are you trying to reach and how there has to be a personal authentic strategy to it so for me it really works best if I talk to people, whether that is a, at an event that I'm participating in or speaking at, or whether that is, um, uh, I don't know, via via some kind of phone call that I've set up, whether it is that I see something in social media and I send them a direct message. Um, I think the personal authentic touch is the most important uh, once you have a certain following you can go more into the, the 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 systemized way of course but for me that that really has 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 never worked that well um, because because of the way that i am it's that you know energy like you and i were talking right now so now we're talking now we're getting to know each other and in that one-on-one, or even, you know, if you're speaking from the stage, figuring out who's who's in the room, getting that connection is really crucial because then step two is honestly knowing whether you can help that person or not. There are plenty of people that I've talked to, you know, either the energy wasn't right or I just realized, you know, that's really not one of my expert areas or areas that I love to dive into, let me send you over to. So I think that honest approach instead of that hunting after clients is key for me. And especially with with knowing right now um, who the target audience age-wise is, um, a very uh, great person that I know and sometimes I have the pleasure of of working with, she does great work uh, understanding and sharing, for example, the generation of the millennials, who are not, you know, the 18-year-olds. They actually go up to 35 right now. And they have become really, um, they're not suspicious, but they have a much keener understanding of when they see a post on social media, whether it's real or fake. And they don't like all the fake stuff anymore. You know, there's been enough advertising. Just tell me who you are. It's the idea of like no trust. And then I might sign up with you. So there's a little bit of work involved, but it is well worth it because you will get the people that you really enjoy working with.
0: Right. Yeah, I love that. Just really getting out there and making a personal connection. And then from there, people can can get to know the authentic you and decide if they want to continue that relationship. And then, you know, the other piece is when you
1: go to networking, I think there there's a balance uh, I've been to, I don't know how many networking groups and, um, I don't, I don't like most of them. I'm just going to be frank. I don't like most of them because there are so many where you go and it's just an exchange of cards without any real interaction. And I, I've been then, you know, following up at times and the people were surprised that I actually called them up. And so when you go to a networking event, make sure that, that it's for the right reasons, number one. So, go with the idea of meeting people not just handing out your business cards right. um and then number 2 go to networking events that you for some reason resonate with okay don't go because there're going to be 200 people there <laughs> right it, it, i think that really makes a difference uh, and the same goes you know for 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 pre- professional associations and, and those types of groups you know, don't just sign up for all of them pick carefully, especially in the early stages, there's also something to not overexposing yourself, because then you may appear desperate.
0: Can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know. It just came up suddenly. Uh, you know, if you go to every networking event and uh, you're sort of in everybody's face, always handing out your business cards, uh, not hopefully doing some follow-up, but people will wonder why you have all that time. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I mean, uh, you know, it's just like if you have 20 speaking engagements, which can be great, even though most of speaking engagements, for those of your coaches who might want to speak, most speaking engagements do not pay. Right. And they don't pay much. So that also needs to be understood. So why do you accept the speaking engagements? Same kind of principle. So – When you have 20 speak engagement, go to 20 networking events each month. What else are you doing? Cause that is a lot of time driving there, getting there, you know, preparing. So those are always things that, that I think that I consider when I work with my clients, because I want them in a good place and I want them also to have time for themselves because we always need to regroup. Um, plus one other item. I personally, um, Never used to like networking right. because of the parameters, uh, you know, people coming in and throwing their cards in your faces. So I used to be very, very exhausted after networking events. And I'm pointing that out because not everybody is a great networker. Right. And that's okay. There are other ways to get your message out. There are other ways to connect with people. Uh, And if you do go to a networking event, um, you only meet three or four people, even though there are 200 in there. That's okay. So I think the other piece that just came to my mind is really not being too hard on yourself when you do go to networking events.
0: I really don't like the idea of going to networking events at all. And I think that that, Mm -hmm. the whole idea of playing to your strengths – Mm-hmm. And if being in a room with two hundred other people and and being forced to talk to them and network is not one of your strengths, then just find something that is you don't have to do everything and you don't have to do something just because other people are doing it that that is so crucial. Thank you for mentioning that because
1: one thing that I find uh working with startups or you know entrepreneurs who might need some some rebranding or something of that sort uh, We all do, when we first start out, a lot of research. We take a lot of classes. We read a lot of self-help books. And what I always try and point out is that just because it worked for somebody else doesn't mean it works for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Think about all of the uh, MLMs that we have. And some of them are fantastic. But really, in the overall scheme not everybody who has a franchise or or has an MLM business is really making a lot of money. Right. And part of the reason is, and I mentioned that as a, as at an event in in May as well. It's it's a business in a box,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and which is great, which works fantastic for some people. Don't get me wrong, but if you are a little bit of a visionary, then it probably doesn't work for you. Right. So you need to get out of the box and see, like you just said, what are my strengths? What do I like to do? And not everybody needs to have a podcast. Not everybody needs to be on TV. But what are you good at? Let's focus on that. And that's why I talk so much about revolutionizing the way that we do things. Every self-help book is great. I mean, my self-help books are great, but they're only for certain people, not for everybody and and we sometimes forget that you know we look at some of the major headliners and go oh i'm going to do exactly like they do i'm going to do funnels like they i'm going to do marketing like them if it's not you if it, if your heart's not in it it's just not going to work so find what you're good at what you're passionate about and then i always say you know then your purpose your potential and your profit are going to align yeah
0: that and that's where everybody wants to be -hmm. Everything that we've talked about, you have so much experience. You've, you've done so many things with your business. If you had to do it all over again, what would be like the very first thing that you would do? What would be the first thing you would tell a brand new coach that they should start with? Find a good mentor and be careful
1: in choosing them.
0: Yeah, that's I've ta- I, I was going to say, you know, I've I've had a couple of of mentors myself that that I've looked back and and wondered why I made the choice. A- and I've had people come on here and talk about the same thing that if you get with someone that's great, they can help you go further. And if you get with someone you're not aligned with, it can set you back. So that's awesome information.
1: Yeah, you know what? What adds to that is. We all will go and have gone through some coaches that we're wondering what in heaven's name. So those are great lessons that we're learning. Yes. So don't, don't say, you know, we're all doing it. That's perfectly fine. And then one, once you find that one that you really, really connect with, um, stick with them. Also, I think the other piece is understanding that. I mean, I still have have a mentor. I mean, most people that I know that are highly successful either have a mastermind group that they're participating in or a mentor. So that never ends if you're really willing to learn and grow. Um, and also understanding that you have a part in your own growth. Because, <laughs> I mean, as coaches, we understand that. Because we're used to helping other people and we're asking them to be responsible and accountable and all of that. I I have found, though, that sometimes when coaches become Mm -hmm. (laughs) coaches, I don't know if that's a word um, (laughs) – they they also just like every other normal human being uh need to learn a little bit about accountability and that sometimes in your coaching even if it's the best program and I want I'm inviting all of your listeners also to think about it i'm sure they all have great programs or have thought about great programs there will be hiccups I can take somebody from step one to step 20. No problem. But given what I do, personal things are going to come up because as entrepreneurs, we're all human beings. Let's not forget that. So there might be something happening in the family. You might get sick. You might end up in an accident that will impact what you're able to complete in a given week. As well as what you're talking about with your mentor. Cause your mentor is not just there to tell you do step one, two, three. They're looking at the whole person. Mm-hmm. So instead of being done in 10 weeks, hypothetically, you might need 20 weeks. And then in the after the 20 weeks, you might realize that I really have this great connection with my mentor. Um, I'm going to continue because I want to continue to grow. So I'm saying that. To help people understand that there is usually a time frame in which we say we're, we can do a, a certain progress, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's a six months or a year, but that things will happen that are outside everybody's control. And we need to factor that in when we look at who is our mentor going to be, or how am I evaluating? my mentor, my consultant, my coach. A little bit of that uh, introspective is, is really crucial there as well. Natalie,
0: this has been so good. I have learned so much from our conversation so far. And I want to start now, I want to finish up with the final five rapid fire questions. Okay. All right. So what is one habit or skill that's helped you become unstoppable? Passion. What is one quality that you feel every successful coach needs to develop? One quality. Integrity. Recommend one book that's had a big impact either on your business or on your life.
1: Oh, my God, I'm a bookworm. Pick one. (laughs) Um, Definitely Napoleon Hill.
0: Give us one online resource that you think coaches would love and that you couldn't do business without. Hmm, that's a
1: good one. I would say an automated newsletter system. Mm-hmm. So, to me, I don't, I don't want to advertise, but I have mine. So, definitely one system that helps you organize. Everything from your email campaigns to your newsletters, to your landing pages,
0: um, so that you have a one-stop avenue. Finally, how can the listeners best connect with you? What social platforms are you on the most, and what's your website? Oh, Thank you for that question. Uh, I'm on
1: all social media, and I am very easy to find because it's just my name, Natalie Forrest. If you're looking for my business page on Facebook, it's actually backslash Mentor Natalie F. Again, the name is pretty simple to find. I am on all social media, really. So if I get a message, if somebody connects there with me, I try to get back as soon as possible knowing that sometimes I may travel as well. And my website is also very, very simple. I really try to keep it simple. It's
0: www.natalieforest.com. Perfect. Now, I'll be sure to get all of those social links and all of the recommended resources into the show notes page. This has been such a great conversation. Natalie, I want to thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed your questions and, and I just hope that there's a, there's a bit of a takeaway for your listeners. And I want to thank you also for the service that you're providing for your listeners because
0: you're exposing a lot of different viewpoints. And I think that's really crucial.